You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode 139 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me again, along for this journey, Liam, by the way, happy, I guess, three-year anniversary to you. This is technically the... (laughs) three-year anniversary of our program, or maybe last week was, but joining us as he has uh, for each and every week is my good brother, good friend, and the man that runs our Twitter page. That's right, it is Liam. Liam, welcome to a new year of the DCAU Review. That's right. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone listening, and to you, Cal, and yeah, it's it's a new year. Uh, Feels pretty similar to the old year, (laughs) if I'm being honest, but... You know, Only the calendar has changed. That's true, but hey, we'll uh, we'll we'll cross the bridge that is 2021 as we get to it. But for right now, let's talk about some superhero cartoons, specifically the cartoon that we'll be covering for the next few weeks here in January. That being, of course, Superman, the animated series. It had been a while since we returned to the sunny skies of Metropolis, and here we are today with another villain origin episode. Well, it's not really an origin, but his first appearance. And what a first appearance it is. Uh, one of the most titanic debuts in DCAU history. We are, of course, talking about Mr. Mixius Spitlick's debut in the aptly titled episode, Mixius Pixelated. There you go. Great pronunciation there. Well done. This is one that's easy to trip up. So That's right. Uh, yeah, this is... <laughs> Uh, I am very excited to get into uh, dissecting this episode with you. This may go down as one of the most difficult episodes I've ever had to try and review, just because of the tone, the way that things go, <laughs> and uh, just the episode in total. It's it's a fun one, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go through our scores in just a moment here. Uh, before we do, as we do before each and every review commences, we will have our... Official IMDb synopsis for this week's episode, which you mentioned, uh, Mixius Pixelated, uh, originally debuted back on September the 20th, 1997. Liam, you were just a wee one still. <laughs> and uh, yeah, do you feel old? Always. And uh, <laughs> we just celebrated That's my this. secret cap. <laughs> we, uh, we just celebrated the 23 year anniversary of this episode. So uh, let's get that IMDb synopsis so we can start breaking down this episode. Absolutely. This is the synopsis for Mixius Pixelated, which was written by Paul Dini. Boy, was it ever. Directed by Dan Reba, with music by Harvey Cohen and animation by Coco slash Dong Yang. And that synopsis reads as such. A powerful other-dimensional imp starts to annoy Superman every 90 days while becoming equally aggravated at the superhero for forcing him back just as often. A lot of words in that one. Yes, and not uh, not well structured, but uh, <laughs> that is uh, that is a, a pretty while not a, a, an apt description. It does cover our main points as we as we jump into plot here. Uh, we kind of just start out. Superman's flying through the city. He sees this little man walking through the street, yelling about some guy named McGurk. He's about to get hit by a, an armored truck, so Superman flies down to save him and. The truck turns into bubbles, <laughs> and uh, it just kind of gets weirder from there. Look at that crazy little man! You'll be killed. Hey, my girl, I'm losing my patience here. <laughs> Confusing, ain't it? <laughs> yes, as you mentioned, this is a very much a Paul Dini. Like if you, like we've talked a lot about Paul Dini's sense of humor. He's written a lot of uh, Joker stories, it seems, uh, and you know his humor seems to shine through very much so in those episodes. But I think this perfectly encaptures maybe the mind and sense of humor of. Paul Dini himself, uh, because it, it does only get weirder from there. And uh, 
later on we 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 get Mr. Mixie's Spitlick popping back up, but this time he shows up in a comic strip that Jimmy Olsen just thinks is the absolute most <laughs> hilarious thing he's ever read. Well, to be fair, he may have been uh, laughing at one of the other comic strips that we will talk about in visuals. But uh, <laughs> yeah, either way, we yes, his introduction, his direct introduction to Clark Kent slash Superman is to pop out of a comic strip, and uh, that's where we learn the pronunciation of his name. <laughs> What's so funny, Jimmy? <laughs> Check out the new comic strip. What a riot. Mr. Mixel Click? No! Repeat after me, bright boy. It's Mix. Yes. Spit. Lick. Hey, have you seen McGurk? McGurk! Hold it. Did you see him? Who? That weird little man. He was right here. Uh, yeah. Do me a favor, Kent. Crack up after we've covered the museum opening. Absolutely, yeah, which is always very helpful. Uh, <laughs> well, we the, learned also, I you know, a little little Easter egg there as as he gives that uh, pronunciation right before that. Clark pronounce, uh, pronounces it in the same exact way that they pronounced it in the old Super Friends cartoon, which was, of course, Mr. Mixelplick. Yes. And yes. Uh, Mixie says he's uh, he's quick to correct Clark that that is not how it's pronounced. Well, it's funny because I think since in the comics they sort of have implied that there's only one Mixie Spitlick, so like all of his appearances throughout different mediums, it's the same guy. <laughs> so I like the idea that after like like 10, 10 to 15 years of dealing with the Super Friends f- pronunciation, he finally had enough, and when he found this new universe, he had to, uh, he had to set the record straight right away. <laughs> yeah, there's a Y and a Z in there. It's not, there's, there's no, it's not YL, it's not M-I, it's not M-X-Y-L. Exactly. P-L-K. There's a Y and a T and some other things in there. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that's, and yeah, from there it's, it's Superman's very annoyed and kind of exasperated by the whole thing, uh, kind of re- is able to reason with Mixie a little bit and is like, hey, if this is a game that you're we're pitted against each other, there's got to be rules. So, like, how do I win? And and uh, Mixie's pit, like, makes it say, make me say my name backwards. And, and if you do that successfully, then I will go away for 90 days. And then from there, it's just like a series of almost montages of... <laughs> of Superman pretty easily tricking him into saying kill tipsies him. Some of them even happen off screen, but it's <laughs> like the the course of this episode, uh, uh this this is an entire year's worth of uh time. They give us real calendar dates to go by and some fifth dimensional calendar <laughs> dates as well. Um Yeah, the month of pants went by really quickly. <laughs> every year, every year pants just goes by so quick. But, Meanwhile, uh, relish just drags. drags. <laughs> Even though it's the shortest month, but somehow relish always drags. Uh, <laughs> this is a very silly episode, and I think that's reflected in our uh, our review of it here. Well, that's why. I, so yeah, and, and eventually, so after being foiled so many times, uh, Mixie comes back and. He tells Superman that he's tired of being bested this way, and he changes the rules. Uh, Superman doesn't protest, but Superman's just exasperated at this point because it is every ninety days, and he he just he is circling his calendar dates and is just peeved off, and he's just had enough, and so uh, he. Well, he's he's in a way though playing possum in that way, but he convinces Mixie to to change the rules to if he says his name backwards twice in a row, then he will be gone, quote unquote, forever. What's it going to take to get rid of you? Forever. You always trick me into doing that name thing once, but this time you're going to have to make me do it twice in a row, which means I can say kill tipsism all I want as long as I break it, kill tipsism up. 
Ha! If you beat me, then I'm history. God, finito! Bye-bye! But if I win, I got me a new stable boy. Deal? Whatever you want. I quit. So, uh, of course, then Superman acts like he's given up. He doesn't care. He walks away from Mixie. Mixie pursues him, changes into this kryptonite warhead missile, which I thought (laughs) was interesting. And, uh, of course, we find out that him chasing Superman through the city was all part of Clark's plan because he's, uh, he's pretty smart himself. In yours. Oh, shoot my monkey. <laughs> I sky wrote my own name. <laughs> Backwards. Twice. You were just toying with me the whole time. Even from the start. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Never had you fooled for a second. Sorry. You were the superior being all along. Well. And now I'm gone. Gone forever. Yeah, that's... uh, Yes, he convinces... He gets Mixie to chase him in such a way that Mixie, with the exhaust trail that he... Like, he had to choose... Because he's not, like, he made himself into a rocket. He could have chosen to be a rocket with no exhaust, but he he chose to make himself a fully functioning rocket with exhaust coming out the back. He could have just, the way that he transports himself, he literally could have just transported himself back and forth yeah. in front of Superman. Like So many options. But, yep. Uh, <laughs> but instead, uh, yeah, he creates real exhaust, and uh, Sky writes his own name t- backwards twice. <laughs> And therefore, Superman has outsmarted him, and everything goes back to normal. Um, it's this is such a weird episode, and we're only really scratching the surface. And a lot of it is because, well, I think a lot of it is more a visual, For sure. a lot of visual jokes and gags in this episode that we'll be getting to. But like as a plot, it's basically this weird dude shows up to mess with Superman. Superman constantly outsmarts him. Until he's ready to, like, actually maybe try to kill Superman, at which point Superman just uber outsmarts him, and we put a little bow on the story there, and his, Mixie gets, like, Mixie gets, like, a weirdly happy ending, though, possibly literally, (laughs) as it ends with him making out with his attractive girlfriend, but then he couldn't resist, uh, turning, turning the Superman maquette, which was probably the exact maquette you could have gotten at the Warner Brothers studio (laughs) store in 1997. Things Liam would go back in time and get, if possible. Yeah, they're really expensive now. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, and, uh, and he, uh, turns it into a a monkey with the symbols. So we know that Mixie still holds a grudge, but that is, uh, yeah, it's like, it's this weird little story. It's completely wrapped up. There's a nice bow on it. Obviously this character does come back one additional time and several times in various comics, uh, tie-in stuff. But as just like looking at this in a bubble from a story perspective, especially, it's it's so weird. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. It's fun, but I don't feel like we. I feel like we just got done watching a a a Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd cartoon or a R- Road Runner and Wiley e. Coyote cartoon. It is a. It's a Looney Tune. Yes, it very much is. It's, it very much follows the structure, including him building. You know, spending. Like a solid like. There's like a two to three minute montage of him building this giant robot suit. He stomps out of the room, poof, you know, teleports away, and his uh, his girlfriend counts down from five, and before she even gets to one, he's been tricked into saying his name backwards and is back. <laughs> now you're gonna get it. Oh, yeah! You'll be crying early today, boy! Like, it's really silly and fun, but it's 
it's so it's just it's just very unique. That's the only word I could think to describe it. But because of all of that, uh, I had a weird time coming up with a score for plot because it is so wacky and so different than anything uh, you know, and even even other lighter, more comedic episodes like you know your your kids stuff or your Miss, this little piggies. Like those still followed. Like there was, there were rules to it, <laughs> right? And we still like followed our superheroes trying to deal with these crises. This one is just, I and I guess, I guess that's kind of the nature of the mixy character. But like, there's no rules to any of this. So yes, it's part Looney Tunes, part like weird montage, part just what you know, just random jokes and stuff and. So I I ended up on as a seven out of ten because I enjoyed it a lot. I did, but I can't say it's like some like it's not like Paul Dini's masterpiece. Like I wouldn't put this next to Heart of Ice, right? But it's a but for the story that it was, it's exactly what it should have been. Isn't it crazy to think that this story came out of the same person that wrote <laughs> Heart of Ice? My right, goodness. you think of some of those or, or Over the Edge or or some of these really dramatic serious episodes and the same guy was was creative and and funny and wacky enough to script something so ridiculous yeah it's i mean <laughs> it's it's interesting too that they put such a focus it i mean it's it's very much written in the style of of your classic Mary Melody, your ca- classic Bugs Bunny cartoon, in which your main character, the character that you're you're rooting for essentially is not featured in a large portion of it. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of it is Mixie and Gisby hanging out while Mixie's trying to figure out and strategize as to how he's going to how he's going to defeat Superman as you mentioned. You know, there's a long montage. There's it's you know, and you're again, you're rooting for Superman because this guy is just a pest that's just disrupting Superman's life. <laughs> but there's not a lot. It doesn't at any point feel like there's a lot at stake. It doesn't at any point feel like that Superman is way out of his league, even at the end, as you know, as Mixie supposedly outsmarted him and is this kryptonite warhead missile. I, I can't like I can't imagine it doesn't feel like the stakes are very high or that anything is gonna happen because of this. It's just you're just waiting and expecting for Superman to come out on top, just like you would Bugs Bunny to to outlast, you know, Yosemite Sam. Like it's right. it's going to happen. Like it's just how and when and getting there, which is where the fun is. So well, especially and they establish from the first scene where he turns Ma and Pa Kent into chickens and then ducks and then weird slug monsters. <laughs> uh, that as soon as he disappears everything goes back to normal and no one remembers what happened except for Superman. Right. So it's like, it's not even, it's not like Pete, nobody has to deal with like the horror of having been transformed into a horse or (laughs) the only thing that, that really, the only stakes that happened was that Superman apparently destroyed Rodan's thinker. That's true. (laughs) In the DCAU continuity, Rodan's thinker existed (laughs) and is now destroyed because Mixie tricked him into punching the, punching the statue and destroying it. Rough stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't think I mentioned, but, uh, I had a lot of fun with this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is... Uh, I mean, r- writing-wise, if you think about the tone of most of these episodes and you're... You like, it's it's okay to have these comedic... Epi- like, have a comedic episode. This would not have worked as a Batman episode. I'm just going to sh- no. like throw that out there. It would feel very out of place. It's very good that they never did. I'll tell you what, there's a... And we will review it someday, maybe, maybe sometime this year even... There's a great Batmite episode of the Brave and the Bold cartoon, mm-hmm. but the Batman the Animated Series world could not have pulled off a Batmite episode, anything resembling this. At least not in the original series, certainly, and probably not even in New Batman Adventures. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it, there's there's something about this that works for Superman the Animated Series. Obviously, there's more sci-fi elements. You're dealing with an alien as your main character, so mm-hmm. that in, in and of itself lends to some of this insanity. Uh, so, I I had a lot of fun. I, I had to give this an 8 out of 10 for plot, um, just because <laughs> it, it is written really well. Like yes, It's sure. written really well for what it's supposed to be. It's a comedy piece, 
Um, it borrows from those those classic tropes that that have been around for a very long time and that work and are a good formula, and uh, it sort of infuses it with a lot of just off the wall zany. Paul Dini humor uh, that fits so well for this uh, Mr. Mixie Spitlick character. So uh, for those reasons, that's why I ended up giving it an eight out of ten. Nice. Yeah. All right, uh, Liam. Let's uh, let's move on to what will probably be uh, what we spend most of our time talking about today, if I had to guess, and that <laughs> is going to be animation and visuals. Uh, we've already pointed out a a couple of things here, but we can probably go through, starting with that uh, that comic strip that we mentioned. So we mentioned that Jimmy is is reading the comics and points out these uh, th- sh- throws the comic page over to to Clark and uh, Clark pans down and there's several different comic strips on this one page here, all of which are inside Easter egg meta jokes that also sort of reference other real world existing uh, comic strips. Yeah. So we, we start off with Deanie the meanie uh, a little bit on the nose there, but yes, it's, <laughs> it's a combination Calvin and Hobbes slash, uh, Dennis the Menace style comic starring what appears to be a young Paul Dini. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Glean, which uh, stars uh, Shane Glines and Glenn Murakami, which is which is a Peanuts parody, right? Um, which involves the Glenn Murakami character shouting, "Do I gotta hold your hand?" <laughs> which is so specific of a punchline that I feel like that has to be like a real life quote, correct? From, uh, <laughs> I'm sure. from when they were working together, um, so. We have, uh, was it Dan Danger, which is uh, a Dick Tracy spoof starring a a bald man that happens to look a bit like Dan Reba. Yep. (laughs) And then below the Mixie cartoon, we have this random one called Zub Street, which doesn't really look like any specific creator, nor does it look like any specific comic strip style, like Mm -hmm. maybe like a a Ziggy or something, but nothing like super specific like the other ones. And apparently this was just a critique of uh, Bruce Tim like, venting about the, his thoughts on, like, popular comic art at the time. <laughs> um, of course, you're thinking about the mid-90s and, and, and what that... So it's like someone just dressing down someone's port- art portfolio and talking about how amateurish it all is. And, and then it ends with, like, some gag about, like, if this stri- strip goes any further, I'm going to kill myself or something. <laughs> like, it's a real weird... Like, super meta joke, I guess, about what Bruce Tim's thoughts were about, I guess, certain popular artists at the time. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's one of those ones where you have to pause it to really to really appreciate it. You can kind mm-hmm. of you know scanning down, it, it'll kind of just appear as maybe you know background filler. But yeah, being able to actually the fact that they went in and wrote in different, they actually made these comic right. strips with punchlines that were meta that you know they could they could kind of squeeze in here. I thought that that was, I mean, that's that's pretty funny. Yes, that's. That's that's quite good. Even when when Mixie's just telling you how to pronounce his name, there's some transformations. He's uh, Mix. He turns into a blender. We have Yez, which is uh, representing, I believe, the the British band uh, Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, he turns into like an album cover that's very similar to that. And then uh, the dog he turns into when he says the word lick appears to be charlie dog from uh from looney tunes okay so yeah there's a lot of just a lot of a lot of because of mixie's weird powers which are anything he's magic uh there's a lot of wacky stuff that they able to pull out here him bringing rodan's the thinker to life as his buddy mcgurk and it fighting superman (laughs) uh the giant robot that we mentioned it's it's scene after scene of him welding and hammering and and you know, playing playing with a wrench, and he builds this giant suit which has like Swiss Army knives coming off the shoulders, and has like a laser that blows up his own head at one point and turns it to ash, and then a new head just pops up. It's straight out of Looney Tunes. Yeah, that whole sequence of him working on the working on the robot is really good. That's when you see the different fifth dimensional months pass by as yes. he's as he's working on this thing. There's a scene where he's working on the robot and his uh, his girlfriend Gisby uh, enters the room and she it's just it's a parade of like Bruce Tim pinup drawings. Yes, uh, just clearly it looked like just Bruce just did a whole bunch of model sheets and was just like all right, put these in there. So she just 
keeps changing outfits and various different looks to try and entice him, and he's just a hundred percent focused on tightening these nuts and bolts on this <laughs> on this robot suit until she has to drop a, a plate out of thin air onto his face. Uh, but he can that doesn't sway him. He continues <laughs> to keep working. Um, and th- that's that's the funny thing that the running theme is is that Gisby is ob- obviously incredibly hot, and uh, all Mixie is concerned about is trying to best Superman. She even suggests that he just spend more time with her during the months that he has to uh, he has to wait before he can go back and torture Superman, and he <laughs> brushes her off and in typical like uh, you know terrible boyfriend fashion. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of that like <laughs> that '90s sitcom trope of the you know the the very attractive woman just doting on this this jerk husband or, <laughs> or, or boyfriend of hers and like him being kind of mean or, or dismissive of her and her just kind of rolling her eyes and going back to whatever she was doing uh, kind of a married with children type uh, vibe to this relationship <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's there's some there's some good stuff at the end. We mentioned Mixie turns into a plane and then into a kryptonite warhead, which uh, I don't know if this is still a kid's cartoon, but uh, JJ the jet plane came to mind yeah. when, uh, when Mixie is the plane, certainly. It's just a plane with a big Mixie face on it. For sure. Um, and then I guess one thing we haven't really touched on, but the Mixie design itself and the Mixie and uh, Gisby designs... Mixie looks very similar to how he appeared in the the 40s and 50s. I prefer this look to yes. the skinny like yellow suit wearing. Yeah, it's like real it's like a weird like 50 sci-fi space suit or something. Yeah. That I've never been a huge fan of that look with like the weird white hair. Um so I was a much bigger fan of seeing uh seeing this more class look and it adds to he looks a lot like elmer fudd like i'm guessing that wasn't an accident right. he is it's a big you know big giant bald head um so it, it adds to the the looney tunes nature of it the scene at the end where superman has tricked him yet, yet again and he's sort of slowly dis- disappearing and it's one of his legs like disintegrates into powder the other like pops like a balloon and then uh, a couple other parts disappear, and then his head again opens like a balloon, and and all the air comes out of it, and this the hat drops down. Like, there's some really really creative stuff, and that's kind of the wildest part. Like, as funny and comedic as this episode is, and as little action, traditional action as there is, like you can tell that the you know the storyboard artists, the directors, and the animation team just had a field day with this, because like. All, all of these jokes, again, a lot of these are just visual gags, are so good, and they're just on the screen for a second, and then they move on. Oh, and, and you you got to remember, of course, this is, this is a, a lot of these people came from, before starting work on this DCAU project, were working on Tiny Toons. Mm-hmm. So they have, it's not as if they hadn't had the opportunity to storyboard and write and come up with things that were very looney tunes adjacent uh so and you know animaniacs and everything else that was happening sort of at that time so uh for them to be able to sort of take those work them into a superman story without it being without like making it work within the confines of a dcau and making it make sense with this fifth dimensional imp like Mm. makes a lot of sense and, and is is pretty funny to 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 consider um yeah there's i mean there's more we could go into there's stuff later on that happens um you know there's the scene right before he transforms into this warhead he begins uh, turning all of uh, Clark's colleagues into uh, various different animals. Uh, Jimmy Olsen is turned into a turtle, which of course, if you know anything about the Silver Age or even more modern uh, <laughs> comics, uh, Jimmy Olsen's Turtle Boy is a That's uh, right. is a is a is a nod to that. Then, of course, also uh, this was one that I didn't know <laughs> know about, but uh, Lois being turned into a horse uh, has has a sort of a subtle meaning, also. Yeah, so. In that era of comics, when there was, like, 55 Superman titles, there was, in addition to the Superman and action comics, there was Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, there was Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane, like, all these different characters had their own books. And in one issue of Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane, uh, she is turned into a horse and uh, has, like, a a whirlwind romance with Comet the Super Horse (laughs) before being turned (laughs) back into a human by the end. 
Um, I, I kind of want to do a deep dive one, just like one bonus episode into some of the goofiness of like the silver and golden oh, age. Oh man, it's amazing! Like how how did all of these animals get from Krypton to Earth? Like yes, you know, like like we we didn't mention it. Dog. We didn't we, right a dog sure maybe, but like there's a cat, there's a horse, there's a, a rabbit, a monkey. Like what else is there? Uh, speaking of uh, super cat, Streaky the super cat makes her uh, series debut here. Actually, uh, obviously she. She's not the super cat. She's a regular cat, but she does end up flying in a sequence. That's which, right. Which, of course, was a nice little uh, wink and nod. Um, yeah, so there's there's a lot of visual fun, of course, to be had in a goofy episode that we keep comparing to a Looney Tunes episode. <laughs> um, it's it's a lot of fun. It's I my only complaint about this was you know we watched this uh, while we still can on the DC Universe app. And uh, this has not yet been released in, in you know, in HD. They haven't remastered it. It hasn't been released as a remastered edition yet. So mm. watching this uh, on a giant modern television really exposes some of the some of the faults to this old animation here. Um, there's like this weird, almost like double vision type, yeah, like consistency to it. The the lines sort of are are like. I don't know how how to explain it. It looks yeah, it looks like all the characters are vibrating or something. Like it's yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird. Uh, it's yeah, it's just a little, it's just a little off. And it's one of those things where once you notice it, it's hard to not notice it all the time. So. Not to mention, of course, it's not like full screen, right. so it's not you know, it's not in that full like you know current aspect ratio for your your television. So uh, here's hoping that 2021 is the year that we might get the remastered versions of uh, Superman the Animated Series in some form or fashion. Well, this would, in fact, 2021, would, in fact, be the 25th anniversary of Superman the Animated Series kicking off. So hopefully, <laughs> knock on wood, uh, we, are, we are approaching that, uh, that date very soon. Yeah, you would think uh, we would have planned uh, if we were kicking off 2021 with Superman the Animated Series. You think we would have mentioned that in, the <laughs> in, our, in our intro? That this, is, this is the 25th anniversary. Go figure. Uh, all right. Well, I, I think it's time we get to our to our scores here. Uh, I didn't have a choice. It's goofy. Certainly, uh, it's it's not based in any sort of reality. But that's all of the fun, and I had to give this a perfect 10 out of 10. Uh, and I am right along with you there. I also gave it a 10 out of 10. Honestly, though, it's just every everything. And again, you excuse it all because Mixie's magic. But just the scene where, like, Ma and Pa can't get down and start, like, before they turn into chickens, they're already <laughs> acting like chickens. So they, like, squat down real low and, like, pull their arms in and start pecking at the ground. And, like, it's so weird. And then they're turned into chickens and ducks, and then, you know, the slug monsters, which Clark takes the kitchen table and shoves them up, shoves them up against the wall, and then Nixie turns them into a version of the American Gothic painting. Yep. Uh, just so many, like, again, just, like, really quick, like, visual gags. Like, in a sh again, like a show you might see, like, The Simpsons or something, where it's just... It's like it's all comedy, but it's like there's a lot of very specific like quick gags. If if you if you aren't paying attention, or 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 even if you are paying attention, you might miss ones on uh, on on your first watch. So yeah, it's and you're so much good stuff. You're rewarded almost for paying attention and picking up on them, and like you, right. know, you could get you get to laugh with them at at making these very quick jokes. One of them being even when. Um, when, and I didn't even quite get the reference, but I knew there had to have been some sort of reference there. But as he's transforming uh, the Kents into chickens, he then switches them, and he says, I prefer ducks. And I wasn't sure if that was a, a reference to Aflac. I wasn't sure. So judging by the timelines, this is before Gilbert Godfrey actually got the job as the... Yeah as the voice of the Affleck duck, but apparently at the same time, or actually a few years beforehand, uh, Gilbert was a part of a, a animated series that was going on on the USA Network called Duckman, uh, which was from one of the writers of The Simpsons. So mm -hmm. by him saying that, that was even a meta, like, fourth-wall-breaking, yes. wink-wink joke. So, uh, you know, even in quick dialogue, mm -hmm. there were sometimes... That, uh there were some jokes. Yeah, and the very last joke of the episode of him turning the Superman statue into, hey, it's Beppo, speaking of super pets, it's Beppo the super monkey. <laughs> um, literally a monkey with a little, in a Superman suit with a little spit curl in front and playing the, the symbols. Like, it's 
yeah, it's just wall-to-wall visual and sight gags. It's really, really well done. And uh, Dan Reba was the director on this one, so fantastic job all around. Lots of fun for this one. All right, well, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be music. And uh, this is another category where uh, the music plays a, a, a background, for I think, for, for some of it. But there, there are some spots where it plays into this sort of uh, Merry Melodies type theme. I was going to say, my, yeah, definitely my highlight on, on music is definitely the Mixie making the robot montage. It's like, it's got this very, like, uh, like assembly line, like, right. like, soundtrack to it, and, like, certain strings are played when he's doing a certain thing, like, when he's hitting with a hammer, and then he shifts over, and then, like, it'll stop for a second for the joke to go, and then it'll pick back up with this really fast-paced, uh, you know, assembly line type music, and then... When, uh, when Gisby is transforming into all her different looks, depending on like what the style is, the music kind of shifts a little bit. And, yeah, they do some really clever stuff with, with Mixie, especially during that montage. Yeah, they, they even switch. Uh, she, she has a very uh, Chiquita Banana-esque uh, yes. look that she puts on. <laughs> and they, they did a little bit of music for that, uh, you know, a, a little bit of, uh, you know, a, of, um, you know a, a Chiquita Banana-esque sound alike. Uh, <laughs> sound there uh so uh yeah i i i I think that the music didn't need to be a uh didn't need to be in the forefront here there's not i don't think a particularly strong mixy theme that i can think of um there is some sort of that what i would say is you know background uh, accompanying music things that make it sound like a, a looney tune some light strings and piano that, that come in at various different points to punctuate whatever's happening or the joke that's happening on screen um they're like the he's blinking and the xylophone plays right. when he blinks like right. that kind of stuff yeah absolutely or, or you know he's like you said the the whole montage the uh, as he's when he blows his his own head up uh, <laughs> as he's trying to make this robot uh yeah there's yeah, yeah piano like a piano roll when the when his, the the ash from his right head falls to the ground yeah uh, when he's and, and at the end as he's disappearing like it it uh on for the final time there's you know there's accompanying sort of like tragic music <laughs> that plays in the background so uh, it's there's not like a strong theme that I thought warranted a, a super strong score. I think that it it's designed as atmospheric and certainly meant to be uh, you know not the focus of the majority of it because there's so many visual gags as we said or even mm. punchlines given uh, through dialogue. Uh, for those reasons, I ended up giving music a seven out of ten. Yeah, and I I went just a tick higher with the uh, with an eight out of ten there. Um, yeah, for for everything that we've talked about, like we said, it's it's not that overbearing theme because again, so much of the is either in the vocal performances as we're talking about the writing or in the visual gag, so it didn't really necessarily have a as big a part to play this week. But it did what, what it did what was necessary uh, and did what was asked of it pretty well. And as you mentioned, when he when he's disappearing at the end, it's like each body part individually goes away. There's like one sharp note every time, <laughs> like the one the leg falls and then pops and then the arms disappear and then going all the way up and accompanied by some sound effects and yeah, they they do some really really uh, clever stuff with the music in the in those final little bits there and, and certainly in the uh, in the montage there for sure. All right, Liam, let us wrap things up here with our final category of the day, which, of course, is going to be voice acting. Uh, of course, since we have restarted covering this uh, this series for this month, uh, we can reintroduce ourselves to some of the series regulars here. But, uh, of course, we do have a couple of new stars as well uh, joining us. So uh, let's review our voice actors for this week. Well, first of all, I'll just mention doing the voice of the slug creatures is uh, Scooby-Doo himself, Frank Welker. Um, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't mention it any other time if it wasn't if it wasn't something of a, a voice acting or cartoon legend. Um, yeah, he he get anytime you need like an animal sign or mm-hmm. an animal sound, they call in that guy. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, we have we have Shelley Fabaris as Ma Kent. We have Mike Farrell as Pa Kent. We have. Uh, they're played for for comedy. Yeah, man, yeah, they up. have they have a rough go of it there. But they're, <laughs> I I did get a kick out of in her sort of typical doting, 
semi-monotone ma voice, uh, Shelley Fabaris just casually going, well, it's obvious that you're being toyed with by a fifth-dimensional imp who has powers far beyond our understanding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Clark kind of almost, he stopped short of doing a double take at it, but it's (laughs) just really, really funny. And then Pa Pa just slips into talking about uh, getting a good peck towards corn. Yes. (laughs) Yes, right before they they drop down to start uh, their their chicken transformation. Impossible things keep happening, and I'm the only one who ever sees them. Am I going nuts? Oh, Clark, I'm sure it's not as bad as that. I can't go on being Superman if I keep flipping out. Now, take it easy, son. There's a perfectly logical explanation for all this. Yes. It's obvious a brilliant godlike life form from a dimension twice removed from ours is testing your powers. What makes you say that? (laughs) Oh, that's not important, Clark. What really matters is following through with a nice firm peck when scratching up corn. That's some funny stuff. We have brief uh, appearances from some of our regulars, like David Kaufman as Jimmy Olsen, uh, and Dana Delaney as Lois, who doesn't have much to do in this episode, but the the bit at the end where it's kind of like the last act is bookended by first Clark being bummed out because he knows Mixie's about to show back up, and Lois is telling telling him this story about how every time her sister comes to town, she, she takes over the place. And then she gets turned into a horse, of course. Uh, <laughs> and they, they like redo that scene, because, of course, everything goes back to normal once Mixie is away. And and now he's happy, and, and she goes to tell the story again. But because she was a horse, and Mixie was feeding her a carrot during the scene, she's just casually, like like Bugs Bunny, holding right. and chomping on this thing. And I was going to say, it was it's definitely, like... It puts the bow on the entire episode of her chomping on a carrot, it, yes. like Bugs Bunny at the end of yes, it. Yes, but uh, yeah, I thought that was a, why am I eating this? It's a uh, pretty great, <laughs> pretty great delivery from uh, from Miss Delaney on that one. Agreed. And then, uh, of course, we have our really our, our main event players here this week. Uh, we have uh, Sandra Bernhard as Gisby, um, who she very much comes across, and we talked about that a little bit in her character design, I think, but. Um, she's very much like a Jessica, the Jessica rabbit type, like just, you know, the, like, like you said, a Bruce Tim pinup model. Right. Um, so she has that very sort of like sultry, sensuous voice and is constantly trying to get him to pay attention to her. Like we talked about already. Nuts, nuts, nuts. Ah. He beat you again, huh? I've only got 90 days until my next bout with that tank clod. How does he do it? Mixie, I wore this new outfit just for you. No time for love, babe. Gotta beat Superman. Gotta beat Superman. Oh, Mixie. I don't like the way you're obsessing over the Superman person. Using our powers to torment humans is so three-dimensional. Got to beat Superman! If he upsets you that much, why don't you just, oh, I don't know, destroy him? Hey, that's it! Next time, I'll finish him off before he can trick me! Thanks, Gispy. Love ya. Yeah, yeah. Lucky me. I think she does a solid job as that, but, uh, let's be honest, there's only really two voices that really, uh, are gonna get our focus this week, and those are... Uh, Tim Daly is Superman, of course, and the debuting Gilbert Gottfried as as Mixie Spitlick, and my goodness, the dichotomy between these two. Like, you know, we've I feel like we've been like we've talked about how because we jump around with Superman, sometimes Tim Daly's great, sometimes he's not so great, sometimes he's just okay. He like being the straight man for the ridiculousness that is Gilbert Gottfried as Mixie Spitlick. 
Like, Tim, this is one of Tim Daly's finest hours, honestly. Hands down. He is, you need somebody that is, with how over-the-top Gilbert Gottfried is, you have to be, like, you can't have two very loud, obnoxious people. Like, I don't think you could have, I don't think I, I could have tolerated, like, a, a Mark Hamill Joker, Gilbert Gottfried Mixie Spitlick episode. Yeah. Like, that would have been too much, too over-the-top characters. It just would have been, I mean, you can, I, I personally, I can only deal with so much Gilbert Gottfried as it is, just because of how loud and how, like, constant his delivery is for every line. Mm-hmm. So having two loud people in an episode would have, you couldn't have done it. And if Superman, like, the whole thing is, is that Clark isn't, like, he's annoyed by this, but he's not he's not bothered by it. He's not losing his cool. He's not, he's not losing his mind. He refuses to, he, and he's smarter than this fifth dimensional imp and he knows it. It's just, it's just slightly annoyed by everything. So he is treating Mixie the way like you or I might treat like having to take the trash out or something. It's like, it's just something I have to do. Right. I'm not enjoying it, but it's like, it's just what I got to do. Right. Is it the world's worst thing? Is it the, is it, is it a super inconvenient? Yeah. It's, I don't want to do it, but like, all right, I'm just, all right, I got to do this. (laughs) So for, for Tim Daly to just sort of give his understated, like, performance of just playing off of this loud obnoxious <laughs> annoying screaming character for you know 22 minutes it's really really good yeah I mean, and 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 his delivery on some of the more comedic lines is great too when he, when uh mixie first makes up the rules and he's just like well how the heck am i supposed to say your name backwards i can't even say it forwards and and Mixie's like and Mixie's like no no I say it backwards you don't say it backwards say what like it's such a yeah. it's a who's on first like Abbott and Costello <laughs> type routine. We're gonna have many merry games, you and I. A game has rules. Your stunts are just random idiocy. Okay, I'll give you a rule. You make me say, spell, or otherwise reveal my name backwards, and I'll split until our dimensions come into alignment again in about, oh, three months. Eh, give or take. I can't even say your name forward. How am I supposed to say it backward? No, dope! You don't have to say it backward. You have to get me to say it. Say what? Kill Tipsy's him! Gosh, you're thick! Now, for the last time... Uh, <laughs> uh, or maybe Bugs Bunny and Elmer's Bud, like sure. that that type of routine that has been done a hundred times in comedy and and certainly in, even in animation. But it's like yeah, the the specific uh, roles here, the specific uh, performances turned in by Tim Daly and Gilbert Godfrey in this episode of this wacky, goofy, raving lunatic, and this just like slightly put out normal kind man <laughs> having to deal with it all is <laughs> it's so good and uh, for for their two performances i i had to give this another 10 out of 10 uh yeah i am right there with you i also gave this a perfect 10 out of 10 uh, you know obviously uh gilbert godfrey the person is pretty controversial uh, <laughs> or has been uh you know he pretty famously lost his gig as the Aflac duck uh, for making some super insensitive jokes uh, back in, in 2011, I believe. And uh, so saying nothing of the man himself, this is another one of those performances that just ends up being iconic in, in the DCAU lore. Like he's, he is this voice and it like, I, I don't think like, I don't think of a be- I can't think of a better casting choice for this (laughs) annoying imp from a fifth dimension like it just i don't know what it is it just absolutely works and fits with this character yeah it's it's perfect and of course gilbert godfrey who if you don't know the name you know the voice uh parrot from aladdin a lot of other voice roles as we've talked about um, it's just, it's one of those things. And again, it's one of those things where in his other appearances in animation previously in super friends, he had this very like high pitched impish, weird voice. It was the worst. It was, it's it. Yeah. It's, it's like a great gazoo type character in, right. in that show. Um, but this one, because of, they went with this very specific reason, 
this very specific version, and he had this very specific motivation, and he's being constantly outsmarted by this very sort of understated, serious, normal person. Like, it's a perfect voice for, for that location. Uh, personal. <laughs> yes. The, the person, notwithstanding, the performance is, is great, and it was pretty genius casting on uh, on Andrea Romano's part by for for getting him in absolutely uh yeah definitely reflects in our our ideas and scores there all right liam let us uh tally our final scores up this week tallying everything up i end up with a final score of 35 out of 40 and i have also come to the exact same score that being a 35 out of 40. There you go. Well, imagine that. Uh, we agree. First show of the new year, and things are exactly the same as they always there are. There you go. Although the, I feel like it's been a little bit since we've had the exact same score. That's fair. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about rewatchability, Liam, uh, as we always do. Is this an episode uh, that you're putting on, <laughs> putting on again in the future? Yes. Yeah, 100%. Uh, right? 1,000%. No, it's not right. If you only want to do the big, serious, epic, you know, important episodes, no, this doesn't qualify. But if you're talking about an episode that will hold up, that will reward you for rewatching, as we mentioned, because there's so many jokes and sight gags and background stuff, like, absolutely. watch the, I would watch this 100 times out of 100 again. Like, this is, this is a great episode. It's so much fun. It's a it yeah I hundred percent I agree with you it's it's a load of fun obviously the character does return spoiler alert uh, mm-hmm. he comes back uh, later on uh, to interact in a, another memorable episode so he does return again so obviously if you're gonna watch that episode which is another fun one from my recollection then you're gonna want to watch this episode the performances alone like we said it's a fun one I was thinking like this is one if you want to introduce and watch an episode with your kids like yes I don't have kids neither of us have kids but like this is essentially watching a superman looney tunes episode so just put this one on and your kids are gonna love it just from the different sight gags and the goofy voices and uh all that and you'll enjoy like a goofy superman episode it's yep it's it's a fun one absolutely it's one that you can show to uh people of all ages that'll that'll enjoy it for just the zaniness of it um it's a good showcase of paul dini's just absolute range like we said mm-hmm. you know from from heart of ice to this episode and just the goofiness of his this his unique style of humor uh all of that i think for all of that that's why we recommend this episode for sure absolutely all right liam well that will wrap us up for this week's episode thank you everybody for tuning in don't forget you can follow us on social media at dcau review both on twitter and instagram uh don't forget you can also Subscribe to us uh, on your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, iHeartRadio, a bunch of those other ones out there. We would love it for you if you could leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast app if they allow you to do that. Don't forget our entire archives of the DCAU Review are available at dcaureview.com. You can go in there. You can actually find our the last time that we reviewed Superman episodes. You can break it down by series. Uh, you can find all the episodes uh, in, in one place there at dcaureview.com. You can also find our store. If you're looking to support the podcast, pick yourself up a shirt or a hat, maybe a sweatshirt, something like that. Support us. Let us know that uh, you like what we're doing here. Um, Liam, we are, as we said, here in the new year. We are going to continue with some more Superman next week. Uh, which uh, means it's time to reveal what episode that's going to be. It will be the episode Target, which, of course, introduces oh <laughs> the character of uh, Lightner slash Luminous, although he sort of starts out uh, before he becomes full-on weird laser hologram supervillain man. I think he's just kind of a weird creep that's trying to kill Lois Lane. So we'll be interested to see how that character evolves, question mark, <laughs> uh, over over the course of uh, his few appearances in this series. But uh, yeah, we will be uh, looking at his first episode next week. And as, of course, as we've mentioned several times, I think, as we've reviewed Superman episodes, those are episodes that for some reason were in heavy rotation oh, yeah. on the kids' WB, and I think I, I I feel like we saw them at least three dozen times. Yeah, uh, like every Saturday morning, seemingly. It would be, it would be 
it would be the one of the Lightner episodes, and it would be Mad Love, like, <laughs> every week. They had those in heavy rotation for some For sure. Kids All right, well, uh, we are excited to kick that off and cover that next week. But until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Adios. Adios.